guys? This is Ricky V, and you're listening to episode number 43 of the Elite Fitness Podcast. And in this one, I'm interviewing Sam Strange. Now, Sam is one of the owner-founders of Glaxon, a very successful supplement brand. And in the podcast, he's going to tell us a little bit about what it took, or some of the things he was doing and steps he took to grow this brand that huge. Now, we first start with a little bit of our current events. Uh, Sam and I are discussing the whole case with Blackstone and Aaron Singerman, PJ Braun, all that whole situation. Uh, then after that, that whole uh, conversation is kind of done. We, we move on to talking about his brand and how he grew it so huge. So without further ado, here's the interview. <laughs> So there was actual uh, mislabeling of products, but what were they actually mislabeling from what to what? What you know, because that was a big part of their uh, of their whole charge in that case. There, correct? You talking about the Blackstone stuff? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, allegedly or not allegedly, I guess it's been proven now in a court of law. But I will still say allegedly because I was not there. Um, I think DMZ was the compound that it was. You know, it wasn't illegal, I think, pre-2014, but then it did become illegal. But those guys were just making so much product and so much money. I mean, if you think about it, these products were costing, I think, like $8 delivered, and they're selling them for like 80 100 bucks, whatever it worked, uh, whatever it was. And let's be honest, they were working for people, so people kept buying them because that stuff did work. It was it was real pharmaceutical product. I think it was called Super DMZ was the skew, which was the biggest issue. I don't think they were that bothered about the DMAA and DMHA. That's much, much lesser uh infringement um but yeah that was the one i think which really did it and they kept selling it through 2017 i believe so many many years yeah that's interesting i, I always thought that dmz was one that they missed in the 2014 band and so this is why a lot of companies continue to sell it but the fda did get some additional powers to just kind of point at things and say that's illegal even even without it being put into uh into law and i think it, they kind of did that with dmz yeah, I think they were told to stop selling it. So then they mislabeled it, adulterated it, whatever you want to call it. Again, this is all the allegations. I'm, I'm not sure. I so they were putting DMC. So they were putting DMC in what? In products that they claim to be what? SARMs or to be or, or, or be what? Meaning they're like, they were still moving the DMC, but mislabel it. So like under another name or, or something. Yeah. So the technical term for that is uh, adulterating. So that's when you knowingly spike a product or you don't disclose an ingredient in there. So you're not allowing the consumer to be informed in what they're purchasing. So if you, if you're buying a natty test booster and it's like loaded with superdrol or something, and you're not taking a PCD or a liver protection or whatever it might be, you know, obviously you can't make an informed decision. Um, you could, you know, my body, my choice, but you have to know what's in it. Right. That, that's one thing. I, I think that's the lowest of the low one thing selling research chemicals and everyone knows what it is and you know what you're doing. Another thing is mislabeling it and saying, Hey, this is a natural test booster, but actually it's got pro hormones in it because that's how many, like how many people do you know personally in the mid two thousands who are fucked up from pro hormones? Like, I know people whose, whose systems never recovered. Uh, some of the sites. Yeah, there were a lot of guys who had their first run in with anabolics through pro hormones, and many of them had side effects and left and never, 
never used again. Definitely. There's a lot of uh, a lot of those stories for sure. Yeah. If you don't go to an endro afterwards, you're never going to reset your system. I know people who are on, you know, test for life after that and people who had gyno for life and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I took some products when I was probably in my, it's probably like 25, 26, first time I ever took a pro hormone, which was the first time I'd ever experienced like an, an anabolic and or a designer steroid or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I got better gains off of some of those things and I did real gear, but I was also batshit crazy within three weeks. I never finished a bottle. I tried it two or three times, never finished a bottle. There was a product called Savage. I think there's another one called Sasquatch. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> I couldn't get through more than like three, three weeks before I was like batshit crazy. But I tell you, in those three weeks combined with diet and training and, and you know, eating properly and everything, um, I got better gains than I would get off the steroids later on in life. Yeah, there was a short time, I think, between like 2010 and 2013, where there were a lot of UG labs and, and most of what was available was underground labs. And the those are always sketchy, whether you're getting what you paid for or not. And you also had the over-the-counter options of just getting these pro-hormones before they got banned. And those were usually pretty, pretty good, pretty up to uh, up to label claims. So you would actually get in my opinion, at least in the net, that little bit of a time frame, you get better product going over the counter pro hormones than you would getting uh, underground uh, lab stuff at that time. Because at that time, underground labs were, were pretty big too. Yeah. So I mean, so so DMC you, you, technically wasn't wasn't. I mean, that's as far as I know, and I could be wrong, maybe. But I, as far as I remember, I think DMC is the one that they just kind of sort of missed putting in the legislation, uh, the legislature in 2014. And so a lot of companies continued to sell it because it, they weren't explicitly told uh, not to in, in the legislation. And they waited to get letters and and, and got, got in trouble. Now, it's it's amazing. So dude's doing for what is it like almost four years i think is he got sentenced for and uh pj's gonna Aaron's be for sentence been sentenced the other guys haven't been sentenced yet i believe it's in the next like 10 days or so um aaron got four and a half years and then he will be doing probation and I, i'm not sure whether he will be allowed to work in the industry or not i'm not sure if that was i i think he will be i think that was one of the things that obviously for someone like him in his position it'd be very important to keep i know some people were being offered deals where they could never work in the industry again Right. Do you think uh, Redcon will, will still be there in its current form when he comes out? Or do you think that the, what do you think it's going to happen? Uh, I would imagine that I know they already sold some equity to to a you know private investment firm or whatever it is. Uh, I assume it's a long time. Right. And especially in a fast moving industry like ours, uh, who knows what's going to be. I mean, Redcon, in my opinion, has already peaked in terms of its popularity and its scale. And it's, you know, like there's only so how big can you be in this space, really? Um, the one thing I would say is I don't know how many buyers there are in the modern era. There's not a glam beer coming in to buy that brand now. Like that's just not going to happen. But, you know, it, it could it's it could become uh, one of those sort of legacy brands, which is sold everywhere and the formulas get dumbed down a little bit. Um, I, I guess it depends how much he's tied it to his ego. You know, sometimes that's the situation It's who are these people without the brand? You know, who are they? Who's Aaron without Redcon, I guess, would be a question. I think he's done enough to build his own reputation. And I think it will still be uh, to a lot of people that they won't really care about this stuff. Like the snitching thing, like, that's a little bit disingenuous because, you know, he's snitching on himself, man. Like, you know what I mean? He's snitching on, it's not the same as snitching on the mob or something. You know, one's going to give a fuck about that. Like you snitched on some like white collar crime. No one cares about that. 
Yeah, and um, he he also agreed. Uh, it seems like uh, from what I've heard that he, in his uh, agreement, his plea deal, he agrees to cooperate in in other cases. So apparently, the other cases where he could be a witness in, and he might he might actually now go and make some other people's situations worse because uh, as part of his deal, he has to cooperate in, in other things. Apparently, there's a, there's a a lot of cases going on right now over over some Blackstone stuff and some of these pro-hormones, some people making it, some people distributing it after the 2014 ban. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really know about that personally. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a personal relationship with Aaron or PJ to really talk on that, but um, you, there's a lot of times where people say they're going to cooperate and then they don't cooperate. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you whatever you need to know. I don't know anything. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that there's, there's always that, uh, it's an old trick in the, in the criminal world. Yeah. I'll cooperate. And I mean, you've seen the Godfather too, haven't you? Of course. Yeah. Then you get on the stand. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Um, that's interesting. So, uh, it, now, when when he when he left Blackstone, he started Redcon. Redcon, for all intents and purposes, is a pretty darn mainstream brand. Would it, wouldn't you say it's it's really geared towards the mainstream, not the hardcore users, say like like a Blackstone was, right? Uh, what, so what, listen, Blackstone for me was so I used to work for Gaspari. You maybe don't know that I was like the COO of Gaspari. So I came yeah. into Gaspari after. Uh, Gaspari had, it, you know, it already peaked and it was on the downward trajectory a little bit at the time. And that's why it was acquired. And that's why I came in. But Blackstone kind of copied the Gaspari playbook. They became that edgy brand. They did the Mark Gaspari was doing print media, spending, you know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year in, in print media in the magazines, et cetera, et cetera. Red, uh, sorry, Blackstone basically just did that, but they did it in the new media, which is obviously social media. So they kind of inherited that mantle. And uh, from what I'm led to believe, they told Rich they were trying to be like, they wanted to be the next Rich, Rich Gaspari at the time. And they obviously surpassed that somewhat. Um, you know, if you remember back to the days where it was PJ and a thong in front of a Ferrari and it's him and Aaron in, in the Olympia and or which I forget, I think it was the Olympia. I think it was the 2015 yeah. Olympia. They were just, yeah. You know, like just as, as the title sponsors and stuff. And then Redcon obviously came out of that, but um, I always thought of Peach as, as an outsider looking in. I always thought of like, oh, PJ is the main guy there. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But you got to give Aaron credit because he obviously blew Blackstone out of the water with Redcon. So, yeah, I mean, they, I remember Blackstone being a bit of a cult of personality. Like it was just these two guys. And I remember when Aaron left. I, I honestly thought the labels were cheap as fuck. I thought it was tacky, man. I didn't, I did not as a, you know, I didn't think it was anything too special myself. Um, obviously the products definitely worked. The flavor systems were pretty poor in my opinion, uh, definitely the original, like the early days, I'm sure they improved, uh, over, over time, but you know, I mean, Red, Redcon one to me isn't for me either. I thought the branding was pretty boring. They actually copied one of our labels too. They used the exact same artwork, which was kind of, uh, flattering, I guess, you know, they, <laughs> you know, they, I guess they only copy from the best, right? Yeah, Redcon did right off of who? Off of Blackson or or Gaspar? Yeah, they did. Yeah, it was one of their Total War flavors. It had the same. It, I don't know if you ever saw the. It, we discontinued it anyway as a, as a result. But there was a product called Cheat, and it had this astronaut guy holding a cheeseburger. They got the same exact astronaut. They changed the color of the guy's suit, and then they put a, a lollipop, like an ice cream, instead of uh, a cheeseburger. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. They uh, probably the graphic designer was on the same a uh, stock. Uh, no, I've been told by someone. Yeah. I've been told by someone who who I can't say his name for legal reasons, but I've been told there's like a hit list of brands to sort of 
draw inspiration from and we were top of the list. So. Well, you, I mean, you guys did do an incredible job with Glaxon is, is probably one of Thank the, you. I just got my brand of the year trophy through today, ironically. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, watching it from, uh, from the outside, just seeing how it got first got started. Cause I remember, uh, you on social media pumping the, the first couple of products you put out and then uh, finally seeing you cross that finish line. Um, I mean, you were pretty much ev- everywhere across the world and then you got picked up by GNC, which look, um, whatever's going on with GNC and their, and their financials and their stock, whatever, but it's still a great channel to be distributed through. I mean, it's a lot, a lot, yeah. lot of so, locations. So GNC is not public anymore. Uh, Rick, it's, it's a privately held company at the moment. I'm sure they will go public again in the future, but the new ownership yeah. is, is very different to the previous regime and they're not paying themselves like $10 million bonuses or whatever the figures were while the company's going down the shitter. I believe they're fixing the balance sheet and I believe fully in GNC. And I think it's going to become a destination for people to buy supplements again. And they're definitely embracing the innovation, the science, the results, all the things they weren't doing for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I remember when you uh, put out that release on your page there, uh, you know, in my typical uh, humor, I just went in and, and answered one. I just put one word as sellout or something like that. I think. Oh, did you? Was that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was me fucking with you. Because no, I let thought me it was tell incredible. you something about selling out. We sell out our products. We don't sell out. There is a difference. And people need that to That is what you that. said. That, 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 is, that was the gist of your reply to me when I, <laughs> when I posted that. I said sellout. Because that was a big thing in the music industry back in the day, right? You need a sellout. Yeah, making sell money out. makes you a fucking sellout, right? Okay. But I, I, I got to tell you, man, I was really impressed by the way uh, you guys did that. And, and there was for a long time, I was trying to figure out, I try to figure out what you did, because as a brand owner myself, I'm, I'm always trying to draw inspiration. You know, I, I, there's so many ways to grow a brand that you can specialize in a single way of grow it and never see the other, the other channels that were there. When I saw you growing Glaxon, um, I started kind of looking around and seeing how you did it. And, and a lot of it is still a mystery to me. I mean, there was a time when you were, uh, to be real, man, there were, you were getting picked up in Europe and, um, and I'm, I can't even get a fucking store to call me back in, in the U S and I look at your Instagram. I look at your Facebook and I have, you know, 10 times the amount of followers and people fucking with my post on, on our company page and you doing yours and you're getting distribution out there. And I'm trying to figure out how this fucking thing is working. And uh, I did search a lot and I, and I picked up some, some things that I know I need to do with my own brand, but I'm telling you, dude, I was, I was very, very impressed. And at that time I hadn't really spoken to you a lot. Then later on, I found out, I mean, you have a lot of experience in the industry. You came from Gaspari um, and you, you worked for another company. You've worked for a couple of big brands before you really launched Glaxon, it seems. And that really helped you, uh, helped you know what the fuck you were doing when you got the, you got the chance. It's one of those sure. things where, 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 where preparedness means opportunity. Is that what it's called? Where ability means the chance, meets the chance, right? Well, there's a couple of things, obviously, experience. Uh, I come from a corporate background before I even worked in this industry. I chose to leave that world to come into this industry because I was a fan. Um, you know, I don't really feel like I work anymore, to be honest with you. I, I, I feel like a kid in the candy shop. But then I had an opportunity to link up with um, my business partner, who's a manufacturer, to give us the vertical integration, which sort of guarantee, well, it did in the old world before COVID, it guaranteed you supply. Now it's still very difficult. Um, and as we grow and we scale up, it becomes 
more and more difficult because you can't even throw a million dollars at someone and get products. It's not like that anymore. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very complicated. But yeah, vertical integration, timing is very important, relationship management, deferment of gratitude. You know, we, we were very, very conservative with what we did in the early days, we weren't all like driving, we, you know, we didn't do the Blackstone. We weren't leasing Rolls Royces and Ferraris and shit like that. So. No, I saw the way you guys did it. It was, it was pretty like it, you guys definitely, and, and the imagery, you know, the imagery, the labels, there are yeah, a ton of Eastern. It's really important. Yeah. The, your, your label, your artwork and your label, it, it, you know, you brought back a, a little bit of that, uh, um, I like to say Warner Brothers kind of look a little bit to the retro futuristic is, is the terminology. Yeah. So it's like nostalgic, it's retro future basically. So a lot of people get confused branding with marketing and they're not the same. Branding is, is your brand and marketing is how you market that brand. And they're two different things. Now the branding we've had nailed down pretty spot on the marketing, you know, has been pretty decent. We're getting better at it. We're bringing in more talented people and C-suite kind of motherfuckers to do that for us. Now um, I realize I don't want to be a C-suite guy. I don't want to do that. I want to be like a, a visionary sort of owner, founder. I can I can do that stuff, but it's not what I enjoy doing. You know, and I'm and, and, and you, threats, so. <laughs> and you mentioned something important because as when I was looking at, at what you did with Glaxon and, and kind of the keys to success there, one of the things I identified real quickly on is, you know, you were in a position where you were able to write checks with your mouth that you're manufacturer could cash and you could really get out there and and you know uh, go across the the ocean and and get to these to these guys that are moving a lot of product and actually make promises on on amounts of products and timeline that you could absolutely keep up with and that vertical integration really i mean it's it seemed to me and like again i'm trying to uh reverse engineer some of what i'm watching you do to see what i what can apply to my own brand and knowing that I don't manufacture myself, that when I even if I pay up front, my runs will get pushed to the end of the line over maybe the manufacturer's own brands when they're putting out uh, their their production, that that definitely is a hindrance to growth. And, and it seems like you you had that really well taken care of because you guys do a really good job of manufacturing stuff over there and, and you know, keeping everything supplied and, and also expanding the product line. Because that's another thing that really surprised me is like, wow, not, not only is it growing fast, but there was a time when you guys were adding a new product almost, uh, uh, almost every three months. And it wasn't bullshit products. Like it was good stuff. I remember when you guys put out the greens product, I was like, wow, this is perfect. It rounds off. The, the, the product line pretty nicely because a greens product is incredibly mainstream. And um, let me tell I, you, that's our number one selling skew to this day. Like we sell more greens than we do pre-workout pump fat. You was a wrap. Like, seriously. Yeah. When, when I, when I see you put out the greens product and I've seen everything, the trajectory, the brand was taken and everything you were doing, I knew it was a wrap. I'm like, all right, these guys are going to be everywhere. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we, we, it's, listen, it's a bit of a balancing act. So what I would say is all the people who were with us from like day one, which was uh, the 11th of November, 2019 is when we launched a brand with a couple of SKUs. All of them still exist now, apart from one, which we had to change the name due to legal issues. You know, sedative was the old tranquility and our attorneys were like, Hey, you can't really call a product sedative. Um, and you know, when we saw like the growth, which was coming, we, we pivoted out of it very quickly, but all of the retailers and specialty, like all of them who were there and were from day one are still with us now. Um, the ones who came midway through the ride, some of them had left because they, they get, 
I don't know whether it's, you know, disillusioned, disenchanted or the hating or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I get it, bro. Like it's no hard feelings. It's a business. But, you know, if you can't order more than $400 a month off of me, I'm not going to turn down someone who can order, you know, 4 million a month off me. It just doesn't make sense, does it? And let me ask you a question about the acquiring of these accounts. Now, when you went to these accounts and I, I, it's got to play out one or two ways in my mind, I don't know. When you go to these accounts, are you like, Hey, my name is Sam Strange, and I'm uh, I'm here to talk to you about this Glaxon um, brand you've probably already heard of or probably already seen somewhere. Or was it more like, hey, what's up, bro? This is Sam. I got something new I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Uh, I think you're going to like it. Like, how did it go? Was it was it your connections, your network already helping you promote? Or was it the other way around? Like, Glaxon didn't really get that big that when you approach someone to talk about the brand, they've already seen it or heard about it. Or they were, well, maybe they were approaching you. Yeah, that's how it is now. I mean, honestly, the the early days, a lot of, especially some of the older people in the industry who, you know, older store owners and stuff, like they would, there were some who took it because I had a relationship with them and like, all right, Sam, you know, I fuck with you. So like, we're going to carry it. And then obviously the retention was there, the redemption rate was there, customers came back, et cetera. There were other people who straight up said, oh, that's gay. They didn't get it. Like they literally, their words were, that is gay. Now, you know, shows you their age a little bit in 2020 or 2020 it would have been back then to be talking like that anyway you know that's like how I would have talked when I was like 12 or something but like you know it's whatever bro it's like if it's not for you it's not for you and then what happens is you, you get to a stage where you become so big that these people want to bring you in because the kids are coming in looking for it and it's we're in an instant gratification society now where you know people don't buy records anymore they stream them on spotify and it's all about clickbait and going viral and all these other kind of like buzzwords and the whole the whole way people consume media products etc is changing so um <clears throat> people need to be looking to the future the people like you and i are our, our demographic our age group you know we're 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 aging, you know, we're, we're not the future anymore. So <laughs> we're now, so like you've got to look to the future, but no, I mean, I don't, these days it's, it's, you know, there's push and pull strategies in marketing and sales and um, you know, thankfully, luckily, thanks to God, like it's been very much a pull strategy where people are pulling it into their stores as opposed to us having to push it into their stores. It, you know, at the beginning, it was a little bit more push than pull, but now it's very much pull. Um, when you reach that critical mass kind of stage, eventually it just, you just have to keep filling the orders. But um, at some stage it will go the other way. Every brand has a life cycle, the coolest brand, you know, like whether it be, you know, let's take Ghost as an example, just one brand in a decade, really cool brand, really, you know, different, innovative in its own way. Got some of the, you know, the best packaging in the industry, best branding. Um, first to do the real like flavor collab thing, which everyone's kind of doing now. But even those guys, eventually they will come to a stage or whether it be Redcon where it's like, hey, like you've been around for, you know, five to seven years at the top and you can't stay on top forever. So everyone has to remember that and make sure they build the relationships which are going to last when you're not hot, they're still going to want to carry you because you have a good relationship and you kept your word with these people. That's interesting. That That's real, real, real interesting. What do you, um, what, what would you say is the one marketing platform or the one marketing vehicle or, or whatever that you think has gotten more eyes on your brand. I'm talking specifically about customers. What, what do you think yeah. has worked for you the best to reach the most? For, for us, for us, it was Instagram, but for the next one, it will be TikTok. 
You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't, I don't, I have TikTok on my phone. I've, I've never even used it. I don't think, I think I posted one video like once a year ago and never did again. Um, I think that will be the future. I think Discord has a place as well. It allows you to connect with community different, but Instagram was the vehicle for us, but it's not going to be the future. Instagram's broken now. So how, how did Instagram help? Were you guys up, up paying for ads on Instagram or were you guys using influencers? What was the, your, your Instagram strategy? We've that, never that really about? used influencers. No. We don't have any, like I get offered occasionally people, people, you know, who I won't say his names and we've never done that. At some point we will have to do something like that just because it will make sense, but it will, it will have to be the right fit, the right person, you know, there's, there's only, there's only so many in any era, you know, right now, the guys, Chris Bumstead, you know, in my era, it was Jay Cutler, you know, like in who in the future will probably be some nerd who plays video games. You know what I mean? Like who the fuck knows? But um, yeah, in, Instagram, we just used it as uh, it, we use Instagram as like um, sort of a, a provenance thing. And what I mean by that is you go to our Instagram, you look at it and then you're like, we're not trying to really sell you anything on Instagram. It's not like an airport catalog or something like that, where we're trying to hock you discounted booze or some shit. It's like, Hey, this is, this is who we are. This is our branding. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We take the quality of our products seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. I'm not on there. Michael, my business partner's not on there trying to be the face of the brand. It's not trying to, we're not trying to become famous. We're not interested in that. The brand, you know, our, our logo, our mascot is a, is a, a dude wearing a space mask. It could be anyone. There's been like 50 different people wearing that mask. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it, it was just a way for people to verify and to come and check and say, oh yeah, this is a cool brand. And, it's not, we're not really there trying to push product on you. I was really surprised by your, uh, by your strategy as far as your post on Instagram when I've seen you guys do this because it's all very artistic. They were like, shit, when I publish stuff, I put a, a bottle, my, my product bottle, and I'll put writing and text next to it talking about the different attributes to it. What you guys did on Instagram were just kind of just beautiful images. Uh, Put, you would put the product in a setting or put it in a certain place and you wouldn't actually uh, uh, put any text next to the bottles or, or any of that tacky stuff, which I, I guess, you know, looking at your stuff, it seems tackier. Um, you know, you guys just did really beautiful, gorgeous pictures. We did uh, some, some stuff that just looked like uh, like something you would put as a wallpaper on your on your desktop. I thought that was really interesting. Did you guys push a paid advertising on Instagram or was your burn mainly mainly organic? Uh, we we did spend, you know, we've we've had various budgets. You know, we usually like where was. I'll tell you one thing: Facebook's definitely broken. We cut spending money on Facebook, and it didn't change anything in terms of our direct sales at all. Like wow. nothing, like not even noticeable. So we were like, you, okay, we're well, sweet. We'll, we'll stop doing that. Yeah. So so uh, so just for context, the, the majority of the guys that listen to my podcast, we're we're all hardcore steroid users. You know, we were on the sauce. Sure. A lot of my guys are trainers. A lot of my guys are coaches. A lot of my guys own stores and things like that. So um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of folks interested uh, on the business side of, of how you how you accomplish what, what you did. And definitely nobody would be able to now replicate what you did on Instagram because it's a different year and Instagram itself, the yeah. algorithm and the way it TikTok's works. TikTok's taking the place. That's the future, yes. man. Like, And it'll be something else in three years time. It'll be something else. The zeitgeist will have changed. I mean, me personally, I'm going to have to hire a bunch of kids because like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't like, I, I don't, I just, I don't want to be involved in the TikTok thing. I don't really, I, I do understand it. I, I know people who are older than you and I in their mid to late forties who are addicted to it. And I'm just like, I don't want any part of that. 
So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the future. That's that's the attention spans people have now. Everyone wants to be the movie star and on it on TikTok and put the filters on and you know dress up stupid and, and whatever, man. Like it sells product good. Like me, it's not really for me. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm aware of it. I'm conscious of it. But that would be the future. Instagram will always be a place people come. Uh, just to like review it and to see things and to like I said to verify something but in terms of content creation I I believe TikTok is you know I have I have a CMO who is much more in tune with this stuff than us he's he's only joined recently but he's been telling me this for the last couple of months and he's you know he's handling all that for us now so um, I, I trust his word on that and his judgment um, as I say, unfortunately, Instagram was great for a while, but it, it just became broken with all the fake blue tick people and the bots and this and that. You know what I mean? Like, how many people do you see who are nobodies who have blue ticks? It's like it's a lot of crap. A ton of them. I don't know if you could still buy one for two thousand bucks, but I think you can't that's what anymore. They used to go but for. The genie's out of the bottle, isn't it? So like, there's already enough people with that rolling around there. Yeah, it's 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 uh, the fake followers, the fake likes. You know, it's just it's it's become. It's become broken. I know they're trying to fix it, but I, I don't know if you can. Also, the fact that it's part of Facebook. I think Facebook has ruined itself with all the political nonsense it's got involved in and censoring people and all that kind of stuff. And people are bored of it. Like, no, that's the one good thing, though. Like, you don't really see the politicking on there. And I think everyone's fatigued of it. I know I am. So uh, I've got a good question for you that I think a lot of people would, would like the answer to. And if you could guesstimate a number, that'd be great. From the launch, until you got picked up by GNC. Um, it was about a three to three year span that I think I, I tracked about three, four years span, right? No, we're, we're, uh, we're in our third year now. We, we, we launched November go. the 11th, 2019. So it took us about, I would say 18 months or less. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. So in those 18 months, um, what yeah. kind of budget would you have spent on, uh, on Instagram per se in that time and what kind of management of the ad spend did you have? $10,000. 10000 total or per month? A month. A month. 10000 up a month. And yeah, not, not for the full 18 months. We, we, we didn't spend anything at first. And then once we got to a stage where, you know, remember COVID hit in the middle of this. So we yeah, launched yeah. in 20, the end of 2019, we started, Every month we were doubling our sales um, and then COVID happened and that obviously put a spanner in the works. But luckily we had a pretty broad, diverse range of products by then, including like greens, which wasn't like, it wasn't for planning in terms of knowing that this was going to happen. It was just luck. And I believe you make your own luck, you know, I'm part Irish. So I believe in that. I believe you work and make your own luck. Um, but after we, after we started having like a positive cash flow and we could pay salaries and bills and all the other things and we had leftover money we decided to invest around ten thousand dollars a month on it and uh you know it definitely did something i'm not sure it was was the most optimum use i'm all about this is a trouble you'll hire a marketing agency and they'll be talking to you about roas and t roas which is targeted return on ad spend and all this kind of bullshit which doesn't really mean anything it's just like oh your roas is like 300 so yeah that's fine but that doesn't actually matter what really matters is customer acquisition costs so how much does it cost you to acquire a customer because if you have a good product once you've got that person in your in your web if you want to call it or your 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 system your engine your filter whatever you want to fucking call it once you've got them in there you can retarget them you can advertise to them and glaxon luckily our products are very good and in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinions so the retention's there so then it becomes uh, you know, better. So if you can get anything below like $20 customer acquisition cost, then you're going to be in a good place.
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's do you understand what job. I mean by customer acquisition costs? Absolutely. Yeah. How much? How, at the yeah. end of the day, after it's all set, spent, and done, how much is it really costing you to bring in each new new a new customer? Yeah, a new yeah, individual customer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if you're spending like three hundred dollars, well, fucking hell, you're not going to make. You know, how much product do you have to sell that person just to break even? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and different businesses, depending on what your a business model is, you have a, a different amount you can spend. Uh, obviously, you you need. In your case, uh, you were spending this for for mostly direct to consumer sales, right? At, at the start of your brand, you you were mainly you were about half direct to consumer sales on your website and half uh, wholesale. It's probably much more wholesale now than it used to be, correct? Or have you maintained so growth on your wholesale, direct to consumer we, sales? No, we built this brand on wholesale through our relationships in brick and mortar, and you know it 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 took us quite a while to to break a six figure mark dtc every month direct to consumer so no we were definitely built in wholesale we were built in international um we were built by you know super users i call them and and that's the key the key to any brand in my opinion is is super users they're people we have people in our funnel as as the marketing agencies would like to call it in our engine as i call it we have those people uh in there who it doesn't matter what we drop within reason unless it's like something very left field which doesn't suit their lifestyle but that's the thing glaxon is like um, we're kind of like anti-lifestyle because we're not we're not a lifestyle brand we're not a bodybuilding brand we're not a, a skateboarding brand we're not a yoga brand we're not a gym centric brand we're, we're like we're, we have products for every lifestyle so we have sleep products, we have stress products, we have health products, we have wellness products, we have biohacking products, we have bodybuilding products, we have stimulant products, we have like a whole, you know, breadth before depth is what I would say on that front. But, um, you know, these people, once you know, that those super users, they are going to build your brand. And if you get like 100 of those who are very passionate and buy all your products every month, you have a successful direct consumer business. If you get 1000, you have a very successful, you get 10,000, then you're going to do very well. And they're out there. Those people are out there. You know, you can build like for like audiences. We, we, you know, we're just, we're just scratching the surface of that. And as I said, we brought a CMO in specifically to do that a very high level guy. I'm not going to say his name because he gets embarrassed about this stuff and he's a private person, but um, he's, his track record and his pedigree is, is, uh, is very high. And, you know, that's what we're doing. Like, like I said, you build it up, you have founders and you have C-suite people. I used to want to be a C-suite person. Now I'm happy being a founder and someone who, who's a visionary and sets like goals and, and ideas and, and brainstorm stuff and, and creative shit. And then, you know, these people come in and they refine it and they make it better and they optimize it and they, you know, good, best, you know, you have good, better, best. And these people implement best practice. I'm not an expert on digital marketing. I never will be. I'm not inclined to be. I'm not, an, we haven't even, we haven't even discussed Amazon. Like this is a thing which cracks me up a little bit with some of the store owner guys is like, they're complaining about GNC. GNC has been around since 1935. There is no store owner, none, like not a single independent store owner who's been around that long. Not even like the Godfather Steve Calabrese, you know, he's not been around that long. So, and and in fairness to Steve, he's not even concerned about us being in GNC. What you should be concerned about is Amazon, because Amazon is a threat to everyone. Um, and Glaxon's not even like a massive brand on, on Amazon. It could be, it will be in the future, I'm sure. But like this is a thing. We we we've been supporting brick and mortar. We still have SKUs which are exclusive to brick and mortar that GNC can't have. They don't have. They can't take it, and we'll continue to do that. You guys do have a lot of SKUs. How many SKUs do you, are you producing right now uh, under Glaxon, just in the US? Because I'm sure you have some versions for... We, uh, we have overseas. multiple versions for multiple markets. But yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, we, I mean, it's a lot. Like, uh, uh, probably like 25, and that's not including flavor iterations. Yeah, you guys definitely have a, wi a wide line. 
Yeah, we do. We have it. We have um, we have everything from mushrooms to sleep aids to thermogenics to muscle builders to male optimization to you know. We, I mean, we Allergen. have a product which was collagen. Yeah, protein now two proteins. Um, we'll be doing an ISO this year as well, just for the purists. But we, I mean, we have a product called Anomaly, which is a is a anti catabolic peptide which was discovered by computer learning, so artificial intelligence, and it was from legume beans, and in you know that's like never even been done before. Think you guys have I'm telling you a computer real like decoded loads of information and came to the conclusion if you synthesize a fucking legume, which is you know dechea because it's found in nature, obviously, um, then then you can you can have anti catabolic peptides from it. So you know we we rolled that out, we launched that. That's interesting. That's very very interesting. What's the name of that ingredient? If you don't mind me asking, I like to research it a little bit more. Yeah, so the skew is called anomaly, and the ingredient here it's a fava bean which is a type of legume i believe and it's called pepti strong so it's a hydrosylate of fava beans oh that's interesting that that's very interesting yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the product right now uh also have the achiota tree huh yeah yeah gotta have that too very interesting so so anomaly gold is the trademark name of that long-winded ingredient you know but yeah that's what it is yeah so anomaly would be like your a muscle builder in your in your brand. It would be one of your uh, take this and you'll gain muscle. So mass we're, we're calling it muscle health because it's really what it is is super anti catabolic. So it's actually good for females too. It, it, we have one called Flight, which is more of like a muscle builder. I would say uh, that isn't good for women, in my opinion. I mean, like, I'll be honest, with you when I take it, I cycle it on and off. When I take it. I wake up often in the middle of the night going to pee and I have a raging hard on. So anything which gives me a hard on, I'm going to figure is not good for women. <laughs> right. Right. You've got right. to imagine so, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, that's interesting. I'll send you a bottle. I'll send me your address. I'll send you a bottle and you can tell me what you think. Absolutely. I definitely, I mean, it's a very interesting compound. Anytime I see uh, plant compounds, plant of uh, phyto uh, chemicals that can behave uh, in this kind of way in the, in the human body that uh, work to, to help anabolism in any way or, or being work as an anti-catabolic. Those are ingredients that are very, very interesting to me because I think I think over time as, as research develops, we're going to find that there's a lot of really strong plant hormones we can use dude, to, to get dude, some there's, good muscles. There's plants yeah. which will take you out of this fucking world. Like you want, you take fucking DMT or something. Like that's a plant, you know. Like you take that, you'll yeah, go to another yeah. reality, bro. <laughs> like, oh so yeah. Of course, it's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's um. I, I the majority of the guys that buy my products are steroid users, and at the yeah. start, everybody's a little bit skeptical. There, how are you going to sell me something made up of herbs that's going to help me in PCT or help my liver along? Well, uh, dude, uh, plants do some amazing things. Everything from caffeine to THC to so there is a, a lot of chemistry that um, plants use for certain of uh, processes. Yeah. Maybe I'm a dreamer, like Rick, but but I'm one of these guys who I truly believe the older i get that nature provides everything that we need and has all the answers we just have to unlock them yeah it's interesting so i wanted to ask you another question sam and, and i this question just came up in my mind as we're talking about this so what's what should i don't know how, how you would answer this but what is like your job description what do you do like when you when you got into this thing with with uh with your partners now you're saying i'm sam strange and this is what i'm going to do this is going to be my my job every every day I get up and this is going to be what 
my side of the battle, what I'm going to be working on. What is it that you actually do for the whole mix? What, what, what is on yeah. your shoulders? So th there's two partners, myself and Michael. Michael is the, the uh, owner of the manufacturing facility. And then there's another key individual who I should shout out called Joey Savage. I'm sure you know who that is. Uh, he is the formulator here. He is our chief scientific officer. He's the one who comes up with all these amazing discoveries and finds all these like you know obscure ingredients and, and gets them all you know does does all the research for us and does all the chemistry things and that's why these products work kind of differently to a lot of other people's because it's not like a kitchen sink of, uh, approach we don't just throw every ingredient into a skew or, or a product and we don't you know there's there's synergies which you and i don't understand but he does now he can explain them to me i still don't understand how they work but <laughs> like, you know what i'm saying so he he does all that side of things um, he has a YouTube channel with anyone's inclined to go and watch it's called supplement lab. And he just breaks down like ingredients and science. And he can talk about this stuff for like hours. He'll talk a glass eye to sleep if you let him. So, um, you know, it's not for everyone, but for the more curious people out there, Joey Savage, yet yeah, go check him out. But, uh, you know, I was really more like at first in the sales side of things and the, the brand in me and Michael do most of that ourselves. We have a, a creative, uh, talented artist here called robert who designs the labels you know you know it's kind of like a this this is this is why glaxon's so unique because you have like two or three completely different people's energies in it so me and michael are completely different joey and i and michael are all completely different um and robert's just the most talented artist graphic designer i've worked with and i've worked with like 50 so yeah, that's one um, thing I think you guys did that was real interesting and really nice with your brand is uh, every single bottle has a completely different color scheme and completely different graphics, yet you can look at it any still one looks of those uniform, products. right? Yes, like, yeah, yeah. like you yes. can look you at any it, of those you products. Get you get it, you get it. You can look at any of the products and say, without even seeing the logo, you say, okay, that's a Glaxon product, but right, it'll have a right. completely different color scheme and a completely different uh, elements than the next yeah, product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's it. Very it's, artistically it's, that's done. Very artistically, very well done. I mean, there's definitely, I noticed that as I'm, as I'm watching this and even watching the stuff you guys publish on, on Instagram, I say there's a very real genuine artistic touch to the way that the, the 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 way this whole thing looks and i thought i thought that was really interesting i think that internally i think that resonates with people when they when they approach the brand and they see it and they see the the different labels and they see how you guys make the whole line look i think it's real it's real interesting thank you i, I appreciate that it was intentional there's a lot of easter eggs as well if you i'll send you a courtesy pack we should have done this before we did the podcast but i'll send you like a courtesy package of the latest stuff and you can have a look at it and you'll see there's little little things, little Easter eggs, and there's layers in, in all the labels and you see different things every time you look at it. So um, yeah, I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, you can see the work that went into it, all of the little uh, elements and yeah, Easter eggs everywhere. There's little tiny things to look at on, on every label. I've, I, I, I've seen the brand in, um, in uh, different stores that I, that I frequent. Um, I obviously already, you know, I, I got all my other supplements that I need. So I'm not, I'm not much for purchasing stuff nowadays, but I definitely have seen it. And I, and I really appreciate uh, the artistry behind it. It's very, it draws the eye and it, and it it's real interesting. I always thought I was like, how do, how do these guys pull this shit off? Like every bottle is different, but you know, it's the same brand, you know, it's the same product. And, and that, that, that was really, really well done. 
Um, I mean, some of these labels, I'm not going to pretend it's sometimes it's done in like one take and it just all comes together. And there's been other skews where we've had like fucking 20 different looks and we've messed around with it and changed it. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's a process that I think the the proof is in the product. And um, there's honestly right now in the industry, I feel like there's and I'm talking about the mainstream industry. I'm not talking about, like you know, the, the gray area stuff. I'm just talking about the, the industry which we're in. There's there's kind of like there's two kind of default looks at the moment. So there's the people who are trying to kind of copy ghost and, and not doing it very well, in my opinion. And then there's this other kind of look, which I'm not going to even say names, but it all, there's this other kind of look where they all look the same. So there's like two or three different sort of like variations of the same look. And that's why I think Blackson at least is kind of viewed as more organic because it doesn't look like anyone else's. No one's really copying our branding because it's hard to do. As I said, some brands have tried to do it and we pivoted out of that look immediately. Um, I would say this on the formula side, I would definitely say there's been more people kind of replicating what we're doing. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people drawing inspiration from what we're doing in terms of science and stuff like that. Like, please, like I'm a fan of the industry. At the end of the day, I want all, you know, I'd prefer all brands to do the right thing. You know, that would be better. Um, label claim is a different matter. Whether or not the product actually makes label claim, that's more questionable. So, you're saying that Glaxon is reaching its, its peak. You think that there is a, a life cycle to, to supplement brands and that they'll peak and then they'll, uh, they'll fall off. Uh, why do you think that happens? What is your description of why that happens? And, and, oh. when, a brand, and when a brand peaks, what, how, how many millions of dollars a year in product does a brand sell in this kind of space in our market when the brand is, is, is peaking or like, like, a, like a retcon, you, you mentioned also retcon worked yeah. a little bit earlier. You said they peak. What, what are you actually making when, when you, when you're going through your peak or, or, you know, what is it like? Well, I, I mean, it's like anything, you know, Mike Tyson was the baddest man on the planet for a period of time. He didn't stay the baddest man, did he? He, he peaked. Tyson Fury is right now. He won't be in five years' time, probably. I mean, maybe Tyson Fury will. He's, he's a little bit different. But um, <laughs> it's, what I'm saying is there's... You like your countryman, right? <laughs> What's that? I said he's your countryman, right? He's from, he's from uh, uh, your island, well, right? Yeah, he's born in the same city as me, actually, yeah. Oh, there you go. Manchester. Got... So, all right, all right. A little bias. My there. family from there. His, but he, you know, my dad lives in Ireland, so we, similar to him, he's like, you know, Irish, British mixed type thing going on. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, he is. He's, uh, I mean, he's different though. He's, uh, he's a, a traveling community or gypsies is the colloquial, you know, term for them. Uh, so you're, they're, they're... you're trying to be PC there for a second. Just traveling. You didn't just want to throw Irish a gypsy out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, in, so, in Europe, uh, for, for Europeans, gypsy is is something real negative, right? I mean, we don't. It doesn't no, mean anything to no, us no, in the gypsy states, but in Europe, it means something. Gypo. If you called him a gypo, that would be offensive to them. A gypsy is, you know, he calls himself a gypsy king. Like I, I think, um, you know, everyone's trying to make everything offensive. You can't say Eskimo anymore. You have to say Inuit or something. So anyway, but well, what if you come a parky? Is that a is that a derogatory? A parky, yeah, pikey, pikey, pikey. Yeah, that that definitely is. You wouldn't call that if you ever meet him. I wouldn't recommend saying that to him. But uh, don't call him a pikey you know. if I meet him. All right, got it. Yeah, in in Ireland they call him knackers. A pikey in English and in Irish a knacker. So yeah. Pikey um, or knacker. A knacker, yeah, you'll remember that. So, yeah, I guess the, the peak is just an attention span and a creative bandwidth. There's only so much you can do. And 
after a while, you know, everyone gets gets fatigued and something new comes along. There's a different generation. Like every couple of years, there's like a new batch of, of kids getting into this space who are buying products for different reasons. They're not buying things for the same reason you and I were. Like I wanted to look like Jay Cutler when I was 20. You know, kids these days don't. They want to look like Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? Like it's a different, it's a different, it's a different era. There'll be there'll be a change again in the next few years. And you know, I, I think realistically, uh, I think, you know, depending on the brand and the person behind it, I think 30 to 100 million a year would be a good ballpark of what a, a peak number would be. Now, you, you is that maintainable for multiple, multiple years? I don't know. I don't know if anyone has done that. So um, hopefully by that point, you know, there'll have been a, <laughs> there'll have been a change in ownership and I'll be on a beach somewhere. So. Yeah. And, and that, that we're talking about uh sports supplements brand, which is the space we're in because there's other yeah. stuff like, like there's other stuff like Herbalife out there, which, Although uh, legally it's kind of the same thing, um, it's really just a completely different way. Completely that's, a, different that's an LMM. Yeah. That's like a multi-level marketing bullshit. Isn't it? So. Yeah, they, they, they use nutraceuticals as a as a monetizing vehicle, but it's still kind of the same space. But as far as sports supplements brand, thirty to one hundred, uh, has uh, Redcon ever reported what they did at, at their peak or what what their best years have? have been or we don't we no, don't really but know like that. It's, it's it's definitely in the i'm from what i'm aware of it's definitely in the you know mid to ladder ballpark i gave you it's definitely you know more than 30 that's incredible high tech was doing 40 for for a very long time i always thought that was just an incredible number of, of he, money to be he was doing around. 30 million a year he told me himself he, he was doing 30 million a year mail order but that's how like back then when 30 million is probably like 100 million in today's money so yeah but I mean, that guy's that guy's that guy might be the exception to the rule. That guy's been making serious bank for a long time. So, <laughs> yeah, they 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 really, really have. And, and he made some acquisitions that worked out well for him. I heard that Gaspari is doing better uh, now than it ever did. He doesn't own him. it anymore. Is that he's, he's he's flipped it. So he doesn't own it anymore. Oh, so he, he bought it and flipped it, huh? Yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. I did not know that. That until this podcast. No, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, he's he's keeping a bit of a low pro, profile these days, which is advisable in in his situation. I would be too, just because you know he's he's target number one. He's you know he is the Al Capone of the supplement space. So, I mean, yeah, I that, mean, look that's how the, they'll get him. That's how they'll get him too. It won't be on the crime. It'll be on some tax bullshit. You know, that's like the, the government. You know how they play. They play dirty. So. Well, he he beat him in court, you know. I mean, that's exactly. that's that's already exactly. something. So yeah, that's huge. That's that's a target on your back immediately. Yeah, yeah. I, I have they him on lose. Instagram. <laughs> I see him on Instagram here and there posting uh posting uh, some of his uh little trips and when he goes out with his old lady and stuff like that. Real real interesting yeah, guy. He's he's a very smart guy. He's a very like don't people underestimate him and that's a big mistake. He's a very intelligent man. Uh, listen, man, anyone that's got a a, a privately owned company that's able to go to jail for 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 a little bit of time and come out and shit's still there you know your machinery and the building is still is still running i've got a lot yeah. of respect for someone that could build something like that around around them it's kind of what what i wonder is what's going to happen with with aaron and his company because uh you know when you're owner operator like you're the the main guy you can't I, I think he's walked away from that title i think he calls himself the founder now Right, right, right. Because that's, I mean, it, did, did he ever do time for DMA again, or it was just that that one uh, that one time he went to jail for uh, Jared Weed? I, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know the news. I don't he's know he's he's done time for a few different things, which 
I don't want to really speak on because it's nothing to do with me. And yeah, I gotcha. Uh, me and him have an interesting relationship. So I'd, I'd rather just uh, say Google is your friend if you're interested in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not one to um, to to uh, put guys down or look down on people for having run-ins with the law. You know, the way laws are structured, everyone's in violation of something a couple of times a day. I mean, it's yeah, just, I mean, of- listen, man, I got, I got, I got put inside for something I didn't do and I got away with loads of shit I did do. So it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> you know Oh yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. You, you, you were, uh, I'm, see, I'm blowing your spot. Now you were in, in jail for immigration stuff, right? They were, they wanted no, to deport you no, back it wasn't to the immigration. Island. It was, it was for misdemeanor. It was for a misdemeanor, and because I was foreign, they had some fucking. You know, they were just. It was. It was some bullshit scam where they were trying to get me to like. You know, renounce my ability to be here to get. You know, they just, it's what it's what ICE does. ICE is like a, It's just a scam. It's just a way to hold people because they get paid by the federal government. So, four hundred dollars a day or some bullshit. So, I mean, that that the law has since changed where that wouldn't even happen now. So it's again, like I said, fully acquitted, released without charge. So. Uh, I am I am 100% golden. Yeah, you're definitely one of the guys I, I pay attention to on my feed uh, on on social because of obviously I'm watching you grow this this fucking brand out from from nothing from a an idea to a behemoth. I mean, it's definitely something real impressive to watch. Right? And I've seen kind of some of the little trial and tribulations, personal stuff that you've had to go through on this road. So it always kind of uh, I always wonder how much did that take away or influence your ability to, to get things going? And at least from the growth out of it, it doesn't seem like you let it, you let it bother you because you were away from being able to, to operate and work for a little while because of this bullshit running you have with the law. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, it definitely did. It did break me. And this was, this predates all of this. So this, this didn't really tie into that, but you know, it's rough for a while and a lot of people would have given up and a lot of people would have, thrown the towel in and, and you know like there's a lot of people it's, it's not it's, it wasn't easy I'll definitely tell you that um you know I'm a fucking first generation immigrant so like you know you're not going to talk to me about things being easy so it's not well I, definitely I struggle so you learn who your real friends were I'm sure that's oh, yeah, it's like, always, that's always like, how you learn yeah. who you can count on yeah I know I was telling James that like I spoke to him he's obviously inside now so I was telling him I said you're going to figure out who's really there for you. And I actually missed a call from him yesterday. So, you know, if, if you listen to this somehow, James, I'm sorry, mate, but uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have my phone and credit card in my hand 24 seven to take the call, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's good to lose everything. And, and in some ways it breaks you down and it shows you, I mean, listen, man, my granddad spent three years in solitary confinement in a Japanese fucking prisoner war camp being tortured. So like, you know, I'm, I come from that. So like, this is nothing. Yeah. You're just thankful every day, even, even for your problems, even for your trials and tribulations, just be thankful that you've got, that we've, we all have these, these first world problems because there are people yeah, exactly. uh, around exactly the earth that have first world real problems. problems. Yes, absolutely. There are people out there that have some real, real problems. Like, I don't know what I'm going to eat or where I'm going to lay down today. Kind of problem. Imagine, imagine, imagine having a kid and not knowing where you're going to get food for that today for that like just imagine that like or imagine you know seeing your child with malaria or you know what i mean like it's it's you can't even i've been to i've been to like the third world i've seen it you know i used to travel around the world for a living i used to do that in the corporate world go and buy stuff from third world countries to bring it to europe north america and stuff like that so i've i've seen i've seen people who are living on like a mango a day and shit like that it's horrible and uh one thing we don't ever realize is that there's way more people like that in the world that 
other the people that have it that's, like us. That's like the normal the first world. status quo. That's the normal reality. Most people, I think, think that if you drop a load of people on a rock, it turns into America or England or Ireland or fucking France. Where it doesn't. It usually turns into like you know the Congo. Uh, people, yeah. I mean, the humanity ate shit for thousands of years. It's only now recently that we've gotten a, a good portion of the population out of poverty. But for the majority of you're of talking the time the last this century. Started, you're talking yeah. in the last century for yeah. the West, for the Western yes. world. I'm not even talking about for like other parts. Like you know, China took like 400 million people out of poverty. Brazil, D'Souza did that in Brazil. You know, I know tax embezzlement thing. After after the fact wasn't great, but she definitely did take you know a couple of hundred million people out of poverty or whatever. Um, you know, it took the First World War to change things in Europe and America, and and then the Second World War to really. You know, I think it's because people people were sent to die in the First World War, like cannon fodder, and they came back from that, and they're like, Do you know what, fuck this, no, we're not fuck doing this anymore. We're not. Yeah, we're not doing this. You rich elites, like we're not. I mean, and you know, I see a lot of parallels now. I see, I see kind of. Same things happening now with the elites trying to tell us how we're going to live again and, and mandates this and that. And you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not even enforcing it on themselves. So it's a real crazy time to be alive in the world. There's definitely uh it's it's incredible. At least in my lifetime, I've seen it change so much because I'm still from the generation where you need to have a little notepad next to the landline. And if someone called, you take a message for them if you know the person wasn't there. Like you'd have to be really mad at someone to not take a message down for them when someone called. Like, I'm still from that generation where you left the house, you were uncommunicated, you had no way to communicate. If you, yeah. if your mom wanted to talk to your dad, uh, uh, you know, in the afternoon, he's not home, she would call the pub. And then at the pub, they would, they would ask for him. It's this guy. I mean, I'm still from that generation. And to see what we're doing now with where a cell phone can become an addiction. You know, to go for, to see it do that in my own right. life. You're saying that, and I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm looking at my email at the same fucking time. So you're so right about that. I mean, it's it's. I used to I used to see probably like a decade ago, twelve years ago, when people were fucking around on Blackberries, and I'd be like, I, I can't believe these people are just glued to their phones. And then fast forward, and here's me staring at an iPhone. <laughs> Definitely. So, how many years have you been in this industry total now, man? Um, seems like you've been around for a very long time. Uh, probably since 2014. So 2014 is when you made the switch from what you were doing before to uh, working in the space, right? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a fan of the industry. So I already felt like this is a thing. I used to be the kid standing at line for an hour to, to, to meet Jay Cutler or to buy a t-shirt from him. And, you know, now he sends me like fucking his, like a t-shirt when I asked for it, like we're friends and stuff. So it's crazy. I've always wanted, to, this is a thing I always wanted to be in this industry. Um, so I used to queue to pay for a T-shirt. Now Jay sends me one. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of gone full circle. But um, I always wanted to be in this industry. So I already was familiar with a lot of the, you know, the brands. And yeah, remember how the magazines used to be? You used to feel kind of like part of something by reading them because it was it was a very... Uh, listen, you can say what you want about like bodybuilding and stuff. Like I'm a little bit disenchanted by the industry now, um, the bodybuilding industry more than the supplement industry. But... One thing I'll, I'll give bodybuilding is it's super inclusive. It doesn't matter about your race, religion, your sexuality, your creed, your credence. And it doesn't matter. Like, And that's one thing that there's very few other lifestyle sports which can say that. Yeah, one, one thing, one of the things that I thought was cool being into bodybuilding is that you could see these guys and their pictures on the magazines every month. But then 
when you went to a show, you'd actually get a chance to meet them, shake hands with them, talk to them. Um, some of them would correspond with you if you had uh, some kind of like interest. It, the, everybody was all of the stars, I guess, in the industry were were sort of accessible. I felt like they were that, accessible for real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jay to that, this day still stays till like the last person. I was I was at one of his shows last year as a sponsor and. Me and him were just sat on the steps, you know, hanging out, chatting the shit. And he waited till every single person went, shook everyone's hand, signed everything, gave people free stuff. Like, just just a real, like, he doesn't need to do this. Guy's worth, like, tens, like, I'm not even going to say, but he's worth a lot more money than people perhaps understand. And he doesn't need to do this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's that one kind of hobby or industry. Show. Yeah, it's that one kind of hobby or industry where you can meet and talk to and even develop a friendship with the people that you are that you admire i'd say it's I'd not say like MMA is a little bit like that too i'd say i'd say mma is a little bit like when i go to the ufc and i'm like sat next to john jones or whatever which has happened like i'm like wow this is crazy imagine being at like an nfl game and being sat next to like tom brady or something like it's just not going to happen is it so <laughs> yeah and that's interesting you know why um I mean, I'm into MMA a lot too. And I guess the, the way it works with MMA is a, is a it's here in Houston this weekend, bro. Fucking Izzy uh, Whitaker too. Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing that, man. Mm. Look, yeah, I, I don't go. Uh, you know, the only thing that's really changed, I think, since the last time they fought is Whitaker is supposed to be a little bit better of a grappler, but better, better in wrestling than he was in their first fight. But the first fight, it wasn't even close. I mean, he, he knocked well, Whitaker he, he down twice. Wasn't he? He was super emotional. He knew if the, the bell saved him in the first round and he was he was lunging in against the best counter striker probably in, in the UFC at the moment. Um, uh, he was super emotional. The issue is, is he's just built like his reach and his length. Robert has to be, be better with his, his distance management because if not, he'll just get picked apart. I mean, listen, look at what happened to Paolo Costa after fighting Whitaker. He, sorry, after fighting Izzy, he's become like a fucking joke. You know, he does take people's souls, whether you like it or not. Like everyone he beats is not the same afterwards. So if, if I mean, Robert's the only one who's bucked the trend. He's come back and like beaten people co comprehensively since then and, uh, you know, has looked very, very good. But, you know, we shall see. I guess Izzy's coming off of his first loss to uh, Jan, at, at obviously at light heavyweight, light heavyweight, so upper division. So let's see what he'll do this time. So who you who do you have your money on, on in that fight? And I'll tell you what my prediction is. So the co-main is Tai Tuivasa fighting Derek Lewis, who's based here in Houston. Um, I would like Tai to win because I think he's fucking hilarious. And he's, you know, he's just funny Australian dude. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just fuck with his energy. But Derek Lewis is, you know, significantly higher ranked than anyone this guy's ever fought. So I would probably suggest Derek Lewis, but it's two heavyweights slugging it out. Who the fuck knows? Um, I, my, my heart says Whitaker, but my brain says Adesanya. Right. Um, I also think Adesanya is going to, uh, is going to probably finish it in the first round, first or, or middle of the second. I think the UFC is really good at building up hype of making you think that there's a guy that could actually I know. beat someone. Listen, the, the, the Nunes fights always used to piss me off, uh, with the exception of the last one, obviously. It'd be like, hey, here's Nunes fighting some fucking can. Like, like, oh, this is, could be close. Felicia Spencer might. I'm like, no, she's not going to do shit. Like, she's not going to do shit. She's going to get absolutely destroyed. And uh, with the exception of uh, Pena, that's exactly what's happened. So, Yeah, they always make it sound like, even when the guy's fighting him for the second time, they always make it sound like this time it's really going to happen. And look, upsets, at least in MMA, like major upsets are very far and few in between. 
Uh, it doesn't, you know, usually the guy that's supposed to win kind of sort of fucking wins. And I think Adesanya is, he's at his peak right now. You know, we're talking about peaking, right? Adesanya is at his peak right now. I don't think, I don't think he can be stopped, but uh, these guys in MMA lose all this. I think Adesanya has got a I don't good, know. I, two, I, I two think title Sean defenses Strickland, before he loses. I, I think Sean Strickland is potentially a threat to Adesanya. And I don't like Sean Strickland at all. I really don't like him as a person, but you know, he's, he just dismantled uh, Jack last weekend like it was nothing. Um, you know, he's he's looked pretty impressive. I really dislike him as a person, but I, I think he could be a, a problem for him. Obviously, Hamza Chemaev might go up. He's he's won in that division before. So, you know, he's he's probably the biggest threat to both Usman and Adesanya at the moment, in my opinion. So we shall see. I mean, I I, I do believe that Hamza will will... I'm not sure if he'll beat Usman to get the belt or if Usman will have like stepped away at that point. But in an, I think if he I think if he beats Gilbert Burns, I think he's next up. So and I don't think Usman wants to fight him, if I'm honest. Uh, where are you gonna watch the fight this uh this Saturday? You going to the pub or you're gonna hang it out at home? No, I mean I'm going to the event. Oh, you're going you're going to the event. Yeah, it's here in Houston. Oh, I didn't realize that. What kind of seats you got? Tell us. Come um, on, how you spend the how you spend that Glaxo money? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, like we usually get floor seats, but like that's because we sponsor UFC, or we were, you know, we sponsor MMA fighters. Should I say UFC fighters? We sponsor some MMA guys who usually hook us up with some good seats and stuff. But uh, this one, we're actually going to wait until the day of the event, and then you know, last minute, what if you, you know, what if you got going to those four thousand dollars seats now, like eight hundred bucks? Because if they are, I might take one. Oh, okay, okay. So you you buy them last minute to get a good deal. Not not always. Like for it depends. Like last time we bought them early, and if you remember, it was uh, Diaz was meant to be on. It was meant to be Diaz fighting uh, Leon as the co-main. So I want you know I went. It was when Chandler lost to Oliveira for the lightweight belt. So I was going to that. I like Michael Chandler and I do like Charles Oliveira, but I was going out to see a Nate Diaz fight because, you know, he's got, he has one fight left on his contract. Now he had two left at the time. I'm like, I'll probably never be able to see Diaz fight again. So then they did the bait and switch and they took him off the card because quote unquote, he's injured. I'm like you motherfuckers, you just did that to get all the Mexican people in, in Houston to buy tickets. Now, now it's not even on. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting until I'm not getting Dana White. You fucking owe me some tickets, bro. <laughs> That's that's funny. I remember that. I remember when they pulled uh, Diaz off the card because he was injured. Yeah, he he was never going to fight in that card. That was just that's just because the card was a bit weak. So it's like, oh, we'll put Diaz on there, and it like it become like a big event. And then you know, like two weeks out, oh, it's pulled. I'm like, you you fuckers. Like we learned a lesson with that one. So we don't unless we're like planning it, planning it. Like when it's in Houston, like you know, it's a twenty minute uber ride into the stadium like i'll wait until the last minute and they you know they never sell out sell out this isn't you know this isn't a mcgregor fight it's like you know think about it the main card is izzy who is a superstar but he's not american whitaker he's not american uh tui vasa is not american and then Derek lewis is a houston guy but he's not a needle mover really you know the diaz brothers surprisingly enough a lot of people don't know this they're some of the better biggest drawers uh you know, they have some right. really it goes, loyal it fans. Goes in this order. Yeah. It goes Connor by a country mile, obviously. Uh, yeah. Khabib second. And people be like, well, look at his pay-per-view numbers. It's like, yeah, bro, the pay-per-view numbers were kind of shitty because it was on in the middle of the fucking day over here because it was done in fucking Dubai. So it made sense. Then you have, um, I think Justin Gagey's up there now. I think he's a pretty big needle mover. Uh, but Nate Diaz is definitely third or second after Connor and uh, Connor and Khabib for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, those those, those guys. Nate, I mean, Nate particularly Nick, not so much now. Like, there's a lot of people who never really even like you know the new the new casuals. They've never even seen Nick Diaz fight until last time, and that was obviously terrible. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's good. I uh, think I could probably beat Nick Diaz in a fight now, to be honest. But oh, those, those are fighting words. You know, he'll fight you too, right? Out of all the guys, probably. out of all the guys in the UFC roster, he'd probably be the one to to actually fight you if you want on the no, street Nate or the gym. Would you slap to. the shit. Nate would slap the shit out of me for sure for saying that. But Nick, I think he's, I think you know, he's uh, like we. I have some mutual friends in Vegas who who know him pretty well and stuff, and he's he's a bit of a party animal apparently. So listen, um, he had his time. Uh, yeah, he would definitely beat the shit out of me. What I'm talking about, he just fucking put me in some, you know choke or something or, or fucking snap my arm or something yeah yeah i, I take it back you'd whoop my ass you know i uh, i remember the first time i saw nick diaz fight uh, against robbie lawler ages and ages ago and i'm watching the this skinny kid outbox oh, robbie. robbie lawler is one of the scariest people i've like i would yeah. like he's such a nice guy but i would run away if he tried to fight me bro dude's got cement in his fists man and uh he uh I, I just couldn't believe it when he knocked him out with that little short left hook um, as Robbie was coming in. There's this, this little skinny, skinny guy. This is the early, early years of, of UFC. You know, before it was common to watch a skinny guy, like we're going to watch uh, uh, Izzy this weekend, a skinny guy just beating up big, big muscular guys, right? And, and the, the physical difference between the two of them was pretty apparent. I mean, Robbie's a stocky, stocky dude who's knocking people out. And uh, I became well, a you're fan talking about free Usada, aren't you? So, like, everyone was juicing pretty much. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. I do remember uh, in those real early days uh, um, when I used to start working as administrator on the forums and stuff, I do remember guys uh, getting stuff for, for uh, MMA fighters and, and, you know, guys that shows at every level. And uh, yeah. Japan also Whenever back in the day. I remember- super tan guy, I think that they're on gear. Like, Paolo Costa, he's always super tanned. And I'm like... This is because you're using melanotan to try and like mask it. Oh, really? You think so high? So melanotan yeah. helps mask your use? Certain things, yeah. Like again, this is I this I believe it was Derek Moore Plates More Dates was talking about it. And that's where I, I came across that bit of information that it might flush it out of your system somehow because I, I, again I, I don't profess to be super knowledgeable and that stuff but then i'm like it makes sense because why the fuck would like this Brazilian guy who's already be tanned like be like this ridiculously tanned? It doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. tan people don't fucking tan, do they? They don't go and tan on purpose. If you're already like fucking that color, you don't need to do it. So it's, it's only white people who do that. You know? <laughs> like, so I mean, it, it's it's great because uh, you've got an actual uh, a financial structure that will benefit from you being involved in this MMA world from sponsoring fighters, and it makes it makes the fight more exciting. That, that's why betting is uh, people like betting. It makes the fight more exciting when you when you've got a dog in the fight. When you've got a, a, a deeper interest in it, so sponsoring fighters and 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 you know being there to see your guys, it, it involves you in it more, and it's something that you've been able to do through the industry. I think that's real interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's it's you know it's the same as any other brand owner, isn't it? If you look at, I'm not going to say brand names, but you look at some of these guys who were sponsoring bodybuilders, you know, five ten years ago, it's because they wanted to hang out with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know I, what I mean? It really likes, yeah, like, yeah, I like, you, you I, like you in, I like Colombian Instagram models, you know, that's my thing. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. So, you know, yeah, sell my dick pills or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it allows you, it, industry gives you that chance to kind of, uh, to kind of expand into the things that you, that you like. And we're all meatheads. We all like, uh, we all like training. We all like sports. We like, 
juice, everything, everything, anything, anytime, uh, you know, there's any kind of competition. I think the you're looking for is red blooded male. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Definitely. Cars, um, steaks, juice, fighting, you know, all that good stuff. All right, so um, let me get let me get to this last question. Something I, I wanted to ask you um, before we got we got going on to the UFC, and uh, you know we could kind of close the show with this one. I think this would be a Sweet. good show if you if you could push this out. Um, if you had to do it over again today, like someone that's kind of accomplished because you've kind of did it, like you, you've launched the brand, you're, I've you're nearly the biggest, done it. I've you're, nearly you're, done it. Well, you're you're, you're, I'm on the you're, cusp. you're 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 getting there. I mean, you're already at the at the largest retailer in the nation i mean it's it's no small thing yeah yeah so i mean um if you let's say you had to start from zeros tomorrow you know a younger uh sam and you had to do it now launch a brand from zeros um maybe no vertical integration this time Let, let's let's make it real challenging since we've done it already what path would you take you know with everything you saw today if you had to do it over again today young young sam um you know just, just doing it with with the, with the small investments, yeah. say a couple hundred grand. How would you pull it off? What would you actually do? What road would you take? The first thing I'd do is take my ass to school for graphic design and Photoshop, so I didn't have to pay other people to do that and fuck around dealing with like artist timelines and stuff like that. That's the first thing. If you don't know how, if you're, if you're not, if you, if you, if you there's one thing having like creativity, but if you can't manifest that yourself, you're always going to rely on someone else's talent to do it. Um, I mean, I know people who make a shitload of money in this industry just doing like branding work for people. I mean, if I wanted to consult for people, I can I could easily charge people like five to ten grand and have like five to ten clients a month doing that shit, like just to just to help them build their businesses. Now, if I could design their labels too instead of pay other people to do it, fuck, I'd be I'd be I probably would be doing that. But that's that's what I would definitely say. Gra- graphic um, gra- graphic design first, yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree with that. I remember when I when I first launched my, my my brand, you know, 13 years ago, where we just very very mom and pop. I had taught myself how to do Photoshop, and, and the first uh, la- set of labels we had before we could pay somebody could do them better. I did myself on the computer, and that that took so much time and so much initial investment and so much waiting around. It took it off the table. So I, I definitely agree with you on that. That's for sure. What else? What else? You yeah, got? that's that's that. Honestly, I, it, you know, if I was if I was a little bit younger, I probably would just go back to school and do that as well on the side, so I could do it myself. I'm very much a, a person who I like. I know it's kind of contradicting what I said earlier about paying people to do things that I don't know how to do. I like to be able to do things that I ask other people to do. So I, you know what I mean? Like, you know what it takes, you know, how long that takes. Like I've had people try and tell me, Oh, this took me fucking ages. I'm like, no, it fucking didn't bro. I know exactly how long that took you. Cause I didn't do it myself. Now artists, they work in a different world. You know, it's left brain, right brain stuff. Like deadlines to an artist is, is irrelevant. You know, like it's, it will be done when it's done. It's like, no motherfucker, these labels need to go to print next week. So like, it needs to be done. And then they'll get emotional and then they'll tell you to go fuck yourself. And, you know, then you're looking for someone else and your deadlines aren't getting hit. So, yeah, that's one thing. If I could change one thing, that's what I would have. Um, You know, being an artist and being a graphic designer aren't necessarily the same thing. The best graphic designers are people who are actually artists as well that you can do both. But I think, you know, graphic design is a little bit more methodical than it is like art based, in my opinion. Um, but one thing you can't really learn is having an eye. You either have that eye or you don't. Yeah, you either have the taste to do it or not. You either have the good taste. Yeah, you have the eye for it or you don't. You know, like there's, it's like anything, isn't it? There's some people who have the eye for it. They know how to cut hair. They know what looks good. And there's some people who don't, you know, like I, I, I don't cut my own beard, bro, because I'll fuck it up. 
<laughs> right, right, right. So Looking from yeah, experience. Yeah. And, and it definitely shows how important it is because your brand is very uh, visually appealing. I mean, that is, that is, uh, I think, something fundamental to the Glaxon brand is just that's why people appeal. pick the product up now whether they buy it again that's based on the experience and the formula and most importantly this this is one thing i will stress to people do not skimp out on your flavors do not do, seriously if like flavor is more important than formula now do not cheap out on your flavors guys like if you want to have a successful powder business and you aren't using very high quality flavors. And also understand your formulas. If you're going to try and put grams of mushrooms in a powder, don't expect it to taste like Kool-Aid. And if it doesn't taste like Kool-Aid, don't expect it to sell. That is true. Flavoring is, is one of the more challenging parts of it. Well, you can flavor anything if it's if it's there's nothing in there. But if you're if right. you're adding good and good ingredients that are going to have some effect, uh flavoring is one of the more challenging parts I've I've seen in, in this space because uh you got the greatest formula and it'll taste like dog crap. But uh you know it's that's what if, I uh, said to you earlier about different generations. Mine and your generation, we would drink that disgusting stuff if it was going to give us results and gains and etc. I've drunk things like I've chugged shit that man, like paint stripper, like literal like chemical tasting shit. These these kids these days, if it doesn't taste like Gatorade, they're really not gonna fuck with it. Well, I remember how I used to drink Ultimate Orange. Uh, I, I drank oh. hot, hot, hot stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, did you some ever try this... that Dorian Yates Knox pump? Do you ever try that? No, I never. I never fuck with the Dorian, Dorian Yates stuff, but I also heard that was yucky. <laughs> was yeah, a... if you if you go on you Google that and have a look at like the the feedback people gave on that, holy fuck, it was it was it was extremely strong. It was extremely like too strong, but like it was uh, it tasted like drain cleaner. I think one of the one of the successes of designer way back in the day when when they came out uh, was that it actually compared to everything else at the moment it was actually a, a pretty pleasant flavor uh, compared to everything else in the space at the time because I was around for when designer way and it first came out in these tiny little I think it was a one pound one and a half pound uh, metal containers this is you know two thousand uh, not even two thousand nineties. And I remember uh, uh, putting money into this as a kid. I used to carry golf clubs at a golf course and spend all my money on supplements. And I remember getting that protein. I was thinking, man, this is great. It's just I won't be able to afford another yeah. bottle again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're very lucky these days. The There's a few things, though, like the quality of the whey protein now is probably i mean again it's all it's all relative isn't it like there's still a lot of shit out there which is cut with sweet whey and cheap shit out there you don't want to be buying that but if you're buying from like a gnc or a vitamin shop or or a quality retailer who really understand you listen i deal with store owners who are passionate about products and i deal about with store owners who are passionate about profit and you know they're they're two different people um you if you if you're getting a good taste in protein but it's fucking your stomach up then it's it's no good is it but at the same time you could have a very high quality protein which tastes like shit you're not going to drink it so it's, it's about getting that balance right now, am I wrong? I'm looking at, I've looked at your product line. Am I wrong to, when I say that the majority of your SKUs are all powders? Um, I mean, pills pay the bills is the old saying in this industry. So having a lot of capsule pill products is is good for your balance sheet, obviously. But people get more passionate about powders because, um, you know, it's a sensory experience. It's a flavor. You crave it. You drink it. It's delicious. Um, capsules, we have a lot of capsules too, but that's mainly for things which, are too disgusting to put into so botanicals like so herbs, you even that kind so of you, 
so you use the wide mouth bottles even on capsules then because all of your bottles look like you, you'd use a scooper to get your product out you're saying that some no, of those have, bottles with, with, with the big big wide caps actually have capsules in them no no the, the capsule bottle is slightly different it's the same chrome lid but it's a slightly uh, more slender like a cylinder shape so for example the any yeah, yeah. Know, the alpha product the anomaly the flight the vitamin the uh the, the plasm caps etc no the, the capsules are in a slightly different it's the same height it's just more skinny yeah okay okay yeah that, that's what led me to believe that you, you mainly were, were had powders because all of your bottles look look like what a powder bottle would look like but you're actually using a, a cylinder basically a bottle without a shoulder uh to do uh to do your capsules that's real interesting yeah yeah we try and uh we try and make it look different even the bottle yeah. the bottle no one else has this bottle it's a completely custom bottle and uh you know it's, that, that's what makes it look unique on the shelves too yeah Again, that's, I, I, no, that's, I, that's not available for everyone like don't if, if you're thinking about launching a brand and you're bugging about not having custom bottles obviously you know when you can if you can do it if not don't worry about it you know but we were able to do it so we did yeah, one of the things that I also thought thought was pretty unique about your bottles is is the, the heel. You have a really long kind of heel. The, the bottom of the bottle, uh, it's kind of long, so it, it makes it look like a little bit like it's hovering a little bit. It's 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 it's, it's cool, but yeah, on most bottles, the majority of bottles, uh, that little transition, uh, that little curve at the heel of the bottle where it's a lot smaller, it's a different angle. And yours, it extends out, makes it look a little bit more like a bullet. I always thought that was interesting. You guys had those custom bottles. So, so um, definitely the graphical end is, is important. We know that uh, uh, from how your labels are going to look to to what you're able to publish on social media. Uh, what else? What other uh, things you think are, are, are things uh, uh, somebody launching a new brand should, should have their focus on and what kind of pitfalls should they stay away from? Just kind of general I mean, getting started. I, I, guess, I guess you've also got to be sensible, haven't you? So... I don't know anything about women's makeup. I know absolutely nothing about it. Should I be launching a woman's makeup brand? Definitely not. So, you know, if you don't know anything about it, maybe you need to go and get some experience before you do it. So maybe you need to go work for a company. Maybe you need to be a demo rep for a company. Maybe you need to like find knowledge, learn about it and not just try and, um, you know, go to one of these websites where, Hey, get your own like supplement range. And it's the same generic bullshit formula with a different label put on it. You know, whatever that might be, that's, you're probably not going to be successful unless you have a huge social media following. And even then like people aren't stupid. Yeah. I think the majority of guys who use those white label up places, uh, they're you probably using uh, other tactics to sell products, like like messing with the algorithm on Amazon to come up first, or messing with. You can't you can't really do yeah. that anymore. Amazon's kind of become self aware, and it's it's filtering that stuff out. And you can't just get your friends to buy the product. It, it knows it can literally it can figure out who these people are in relation to you based on your own Amazon account. So that show is over as well. Like, huh? Yeah, that show's been over for a while. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible a lot of guys made a ton of money with white label uh yes. white label bottles yes, that is. were buying just buy them regular vitamin c vitamin e capsules making hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales uh weekly just because they were able to to fuck with the amazon algorithm and and be first in the results for, at least for a few well, months amazon now wants to pick the winners doesn't it so because they yeah, want I, I, it. They want... I, I remember there was a, a kid i met and this was like my first uh this is my first kind of signal that we were going into a really weird 
space and a really weird stage when it came to actual uh, to actual uh, uh, marketing of things. Remember, I was I was rocking out on, out on the forums with my brand going. Things were going all right. And then a kid from the forums put together a, a white label product that he white labeled from someone. And it was supposed to be a nootropic. And he just decided to call it Adderall Ad- Ad- or something. It's like a spinoff of Adderall. And he got ranked on Amazon for this product for the, for the search ADD and ADHD. So for almost a year, whenever anyone, anyone searched for ADD or ADHD on Amazon, he would come up as one of the very first results. And dude was just, I mean, he was just started balling hard. He thought he was the fucking man. You know, he thought he had fuck you money. He was doing a couple hundred thousand a month in sales. And then uh, Amazon switched the algorithm and he went to nothing. He, he went to like the third page. And then there were like books that were taking his uh, his spots. You know, the first page all you saw was were books about treatments for ADD as opposed to, to supplements. Yeah. Now. And he could, and just watching him go from zero to growing a brand that was that was doing more volume than mine's on one product and then going back down to actually zero again in the space of a year. Let me know that things were, were about to get really fucking interesting in, in our space because I, before that, I've never seen anything like it or I never knew anything like that would exist. The way companies and business used to develop back in the days is it would be a long kind of upwards trajectory and you'd have a ton of inertia and you'd have to really fuck things up to be on a downward slope. Now it's like you can get up really high without inertia, just hit the right algorithm, hit the right, hit the right social at the right time. And then you could be back down to absolutely fucking yeah. nothing like without easy, any inertia. Easy come, easy go. Very easy come, very easy go. Inertia in the space is just it's just non-existent. That's why spreading your risk and diversity and, and that's that's what's key. You know, that's why I would never want to be like a huge Amazon brand and not have like a traditional presence. And I would never want to have a huge, you know, account with one person and not with another, you know, backup contingency source. I saw that very early on in my career when a company I worked for had a huge account with Walmart. And they lost the Walmart business over, you know, a price war, basically. And it was it was very, you know, we actually managed to survive it and we built it back. But after that, you know, the managing director, that's what they call CEOs in Europe. He told me, he said, I'll never do that again. And that, that lesson stayed with me. Oh, yeah. Uh, something like Walmart will, will put you out of business if they're the majority of your business. They could put you out of business with one move, just moving your product below eye level. And, and, and they will do it done. as well. They don't like the, these corporations, like it's not like the, the humanity in them is I used to work for one, like the number two in the world. So like I, you know, I've been through the, I've been through that. So I used just, to be a just, senior buyer for one. So I, I, I know how it is. Yeah. Just, just on, I think it was about eight years ago. Someone told me, cause I was, I was at a crossroads with, with my own brand and someone told me, said, look, Rick, if you have the opportunity to create 10, $1 million direct to consumer brands, I would do that any time of the day rather than have a $10 million a year wholesale brand. You know, instead of having yeah. one huge $10 million a year wholesale brand, if you could manage 10 little uh, direct-to-consumer brands, it, gross is being the same, do the little ones. There's, there's less of a target on your back from, you know, from people trying to shake you down. Uh, everything yeah, from there, there is. I mean, you talk, you, you talk about Amazon, Rick, and we're not like massive on Amazon at all. And it's funny to see other brands bidding on Glaxon keyword. Like, do you know what I mean? They're bidding, they're trying to, there's, there's big brands out there trying to bid on our, like our brand, you know? 
Oh yeah, they they do that. They do that to my brand as well. They yeah. Once you identify uh, your, where where your uh, what you think your competitors are, they they start bidding on keywords and yeah, Google loves that shit. Amazon too because you're able to now market on Google through Amazon. So do, do you guys let other people, other retailers sell on Amazon, no. or do you guys only no. exclusively sell on Amazon? No one else to sell on Amazon. That's interesting, and I'm, I'm sure your prices there protect your your uh, yeah. brick and mortar business very well mm -hmm. yeah we have map and we enforce that pretty pretty rigidly and no one's meant to be selling on ebay there is one or two people selling some shit on ebay and it's very hard to do anything about it but once we find out who they are they, they don't get products anymore right right that's interesting man i mean it's it's definitely uh done a, a great thing with the brand dude it, it definitely is a, thank is you a, yeah i like everything you guys do i like the, the imagery uh it's very artistic like i said it's, it's incredible man uh Brother, you've been incredible today. Gave me a lot of your time. I really appreciate the the time today. I learned a lot, man. I, so I appreciate it. Hopefully, we can we can do it again in a couple of months. Yeah, we will do it again. I'll send you some stuff to try, and then you can have a little bit more of a informed opinion on the latest generation stuff. So, yeah, for sure, man. So uh, my bet for this weekend, I think Izzy ends it in late in the first or early in the second. That Liz, yeah. Izzy ends it by TKO. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't really argue with that. I hope you're wrong, though. I would love to see. I would love to see Bobby Knuckles get the belt back. And um, nothing against Izzy. Like he's he's a cool guy, and you know, it's just I just I just can't, how can you not like Robert Whittaker if you're an MMA fan? How can you not fuck with that guy? So, no, Robert Whittaker is great, you know. And and I'm only saying what I say based on the fact that they already met. Uh, they already had a. It was already pretty one sided engagement the first time, and. Uh, Izzy has improved, and I'm not even sure Robert Whitaker has improved that much over their first engagement. Well, one thing so people don't talk about enough with with Robert Whitaker is he went ten rounds with Yoel Romero back to back, and, and you know peak Yoel Romero. Like he he was definitely injured in that fight a lot. That that was that, those were two wars. Like yeah, five yeah, rounds Joel, back to back. <laughs> I always enjoyed watching Joel fight. I was kind of sad that the UFC cut him of the roster. Now he's he's not. You know, well, really, after what he did in that last fight against Izzy, what do you expect him to do? That that is kind of true. And plus, the guy is you know he's, he's in his forties. They don't expect him to get any better or, or improve the way you would a guy. No, I just saw he's fighting. Um, he's fighting in the co-main at Bellator in France next. So. Oh yeah, he's still a draw. He's still he still have. I said I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that fight uh, just because it's, jo it's Joel. You know if I can find it, so for sure, for sure. Um, cool. Hey man, so uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch, my man. Thank you very much for the interview. No, today, thank brother. you. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Cheers. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye bye.